0: Hey Hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Visit sprout.ph slash payrollstartermonthly5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io hustleshare hustle share and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. Welcome to the fifth edition of Ask Hustle Share. We are back again after a couple weeks of being down because we got a little too busy. I'm not creating excuses, guys. It's just a little too crazy right now. We're in the stretch run of uh, our hustle in Podcast Network Asia. And sometimes, you know, your brain is just too fried. But today, I found a way to answer the questions that have been piling up on our email at Ask at HustleShare.com because there's a lot of founders that also need some help. And again, just like always, we always try to help out by providing you not just the resources, but also good examples. Now, it's very interesting what we have in this Ask HustleShare edition because we have three very unique questions that hover around ideas and how not to steal them uh, or how you can protect your ideas from being stolen. Second question asks about how you can race in an impact fund or a non-profit type of fund. And lastly, it's my favorite, and I think that will be the highlight. So make sure that you stick around till the end. It will be about how to build a great startup company culture. Okay, so for our first question, it was sent by Mr. Justin Carvey-san. And he goes, Hi, I listen to you always. You inspire me. And thanks, Ron, for helping our community to innovate and improve lives For our society. How can I improve my tech platform without worrying? My business solution will be stolen or copied. Best regards, Mr. San Justin Carvey. So Justin, thanks very much again for sending over your letter and I'm glad that we inspire you, but I am now here to burst your bubble. I apologize because ideas are cheap and execution is the goal. Now I fully understand why you're saying that and why you feel that way because when I was starting out too in Party File or uh, back then it wasn't even called guestlist.ph, I always had that worry that you know I'm just starting out and then somebody might just copy my idea and I'm doomed. And the fact of the matter is that feeling that you're getting is totally valid. However, the reality is not that also. So what I mean by that is that again, ideas are cheap and execution is gold. Because again, there's no perfect idea in the world and people are again, the world is filled with great ideas but only the ones that execute them and turn that into reality matters the most. So if your startup is is still in the idea phase and you're worried that somebody might copy that nine times out of 10, somebody probably has a same idea or a better idea, the question now is what are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna execute? Now here's the thing, there is this book that further solidifies this argument. That again, ideas are just a multiplier of execution from the book, Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. It was written all the way back in 2005. And let me just break down, based on his framework, that ideas are just a multiplier of great execution. And what Derek actually said, that it's so funny when I hear people being so protective of ideas. People want me to sign an NDA to tell me the simplest idea. To me, ideas are worth nothing unless executed. They are just a multiplier. Execution is worth a million. So here's an example. There are like five or no, six grade points of how an idea is. So the first one is equivalent to an awful idea, which is ranks as negative one. A weak idea is one point. A so-so idea is five points. A good idea is 10 points. A great idea is 15. And a brilliant idea is is 20. Now again, since it's just a multiplier, what do we do with the execution? You multiply that that idea or that coefficient with then how the execution coefficient or the price per execution would look like. So here's how it goes. Based on his framework, it says that no execution is worth $1. Weak execution is worth $1,000. A so-so execution is $10,000. Good execution is $100,000. Great execution is a million dollars and brilliant execution is 10 million. So what do you do now? You look at the quality of your idea. And again, be realistic. And the way you do this is by asking feedback. What do you think is your idea worse? Is it an awful idea at the very least or a brilliant idea? And again, it's just a multiplier. Then you multiply it with the execution price. Because... To make a business, you need to multiply the two. The most brilliant idea, with no execution, is just worth twenty bucks. The most brilliant idea, that takes great execution, can be worth twenty million dollars. So, to answer your question, Justin, the best way for your idea not to be stolen is to execute really well. Now, that can be a whole other topic. We can have that in another. Ask how to share, but don't worry about the idea being stolen because, again, all these ideas that we all have are just a hodgepodge of somebody else's work that we try to do. But the one thing that makes your startup unique and uh, make it scalable and investable, if you plan to, to raise funds, is how you execute on that idea. And if you guys are curious about what what I'm talking about, it's going to be in the show notes. Uh, the link to the very same article that I just read. So again, if I did a terrible job explaining what the hell <laughs> this, this coefficient looks like, don't worry. You can check it out. It's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. Okay, so now for our second question. This uh, came from Juan Katudai of The Project One Shot. And then he goes, Hello, I'm glad to learn a lot from your podcast. I've just listened to your latest episode. I'm curious, could an angel investor or a venture investor invest on a livelihood project of a cooperative or an association? So, for context, I was a community development coordinator from a local NGO, but very recently resigned to work for an LGU as a tourism office. And I have with me various organizations that are into community initiated social enterprises. If ever, I hope you enlighten me with the process. If not, are there any alternatives where they could be sourced out for additional funds? Thanks and God bless. So again, thanks very much, Project One Shot, for asking that question. But let me give you the answer now. And the real answer is this is not my forte. However, I've had two hustlers here in the podcast before that I think would be a great inspiration for you to listen to if you just search back. So I'll give you two examples. So the first interviewee that I've had here before that reminds me very well of what this type of hustle that you're trying to achieve is Carmina Bayumbong of InvestEd. So just to provide context, you can listen back to this episode. And again, I will have this in the show notes so you don't have to worry about it. Again, Carmina, her background has also been in social enterprises prior to creating her own startup. And if your objective is to get grants or get uh, investment from social impacts, she's probably one of the best in the business in creating those those one-pagers or those papers to get grants. Again, with that, she was actually able to... Get a grant from the Cartier Fund, if I'm not mistaken, a couple couple of years ago. And if you want to learn more on how she did it, just listen to that episode. And one pro tip as well: a lot of people always message me in Hustle Share using Hustle Share as a tool to get a background over somebody that they want to get to know. Because again, during the original format, we really dive deep into someone's past, uh, again, present, and future. And if that is your entryway to to you to you know, reach out to him to or him or her to get an additional information about what you're trying to do. then again, I'm glad you can use the podcast as a resource to get that done. So yeah, the first one would be Carmina of invested. And the second one is the social enterprise power couple led by Reese Fernandez Ruiz and Mark Ruiz, who are again, both great social enterprise winners. So Reese, if you're not, if you if the, that name, Rings a bell for you. She is the founder and CEO of Rags to Riches. And Mark, on the other hand, is also uh, the founder of his own social enterprise called Happy Noi. So, again, same thing. Uh, this is not my forte, but I've had people who are, you know, experts in this regard. So, check out and listen to this episode because I remember in that episode, they really dissected how difficult it was and what makes these social investors tick, or the impact investing, as they call it. And again, they've been very very good in making sure and getting the right support in order to push their initiatives over the top, whether it's for profit or non-profit. I hope that helps. And again, before we continue, we need to take our first break. And when we come back, we will be discussing this favorite question that I just recently got about how to build the startup culture that you need for your startup. Let's talk about that more after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. And we're back from a break. We are still in the fifth edition of Ask Hustle Share. Now we're going to go straight to this favorite question of mine, again, that was just recently sent over ask at hustleshare.com. So before we begin, again, if you have any questions, that you want to get some answers to, especially in your startup hustle, you are not alone. We'll do our best for free. Don't worry. We don't touch to make the necessary steps in order for you. To get closer to the answer. So, at least enlightening you to pave the way for what you're doing in Ask Hustle Shares. Again, just shoot us an email at askhustleshare.com. At okay, for our third question, this comes from Mr. Justin Itugot. There's two Justins that sent an email to me today. If I get another third Justin, I will charge the third one. Okay. So. <laughs> The second Justin goes, Hi Ron, I'm Justin from Cerebro and I hope you remember me from UST's Tomasino Center. Again, go stand. First of all, I would like to commend you for helping startup founders realize that our experiences, positive or negative, are very much alike. And uh, this motivates us to just continue what we are doing. I just want to ask a question about building startup culture. How does a startup formulate its culture? Should it be based on the founder's values and aspirations? Or is it something that is developed by the team over time based on how they deal with what's happening around them? And also, should the culture change as the startup grows and passes through various stages? Thank you and congratulations for being in the space for over two years already. Again, thank you very much and go usted. Again, not biased, just very biased towards my alma mater, uh, UST. And again, um, this is absolutely true. And I love questions like this because in all the startups that I have created, one thing that is a non-negotiable for me whenever I do it is the type of culture that we bring. Now, the type of culture is something that, again, is both flexible and rigid. So I'll go through that and dissect your question one by one. So the first part you ask, how does the startup formulate its culture? Should it be based on the founder's values and aspirations? So take it with a grain of salt because this is my stand on things. And again, I have my own biases and tendencies as well. But the way I envision culture over the three companies that I've built to varying degrees of success, the first one failed, second one I was able to exit, the third one is TBD. We'll see that first. The first one, it's always really should be aligned with the founding teams. When I say team, it's not just one person, North Star. Because the North Star will then define where would your goal as a company. And that should be non-negotiable. So what does that have to do with being a CEO or a founding team? Because your job as a founding team is to define where you're going and that needs to be constant. If you're looking at three different things and you couldn't agree on one thing that you need to do, that's already a recipe for disaster. Because as you define that North Star, there's no guarantee you're even going to make it. So the way you define that North Star also defines what are the non-negotiables that you bring in a company. So in each company that I've founded, there are only four non-negotiables that I've always built. And everybody that's worked with me over the past, again, I don't know, 10 plus years knew this. The first one is that there's no ma'am or no sir. We don't have any knights or any royalties. So it defines, and why that matters is because I don't ever want people to think that, oh, sir, run, blah, 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 because it sets the wrong precedent for titles to be the hierarchy of things. I want people to be flat, even with just one thing. Again, it's very American, uh, the way we do it, but it sets, again, in a country like the Philippines, those titles can actually create barriers as well. So I I really defined and made sure that that first one doesn't exist. Second is that I don't care how you do it, just get it done right. And Now, this aligns very much with the North Star because... As a startup founder, you need to make sure that the people that you hire or the people you you co-found a startup with are all wolves. When I say wolves, these are people that can bring in and, and they don't need to be micromanaged and be given tasks to do that. All they need is where is the North Star, give them the resources, and if it's not enough, provide them with more resources and guidance to get them there. The worst thing that you can do is be that type of founder that surrounds yourself with yes men, the people that you have to micromanage and make you feel that, oh, I'm doing something and because they're, everything is doing right. You need people that can tell you what's up, especially the co-founder level. If you don't have employees yet, it's important that everybody brings in their own competency and again, leaves their ego at the door and not mess around with that flow because everybody should be able to provide equal distribution of skills and competencies in order to get to that North Star. Now, if you are able to execute this at the co-founder level, then it's something that you can now pass on as well. Now, this is where the flexibility comes in, right? The way I really emphasize is, I don't care how you do it, just get it done right. I'm hiring an adult, I'm working with an adult. Figure it out, because I'm not here to solve that problem. We, as a startup, is on a mission to get a repeatable and scalable business model by solving this problem. If you're not a problem solver and you rely on the co-founder or your partner to solve the problem for you, you're in the wrong game. And there is one resource, this is one book that I love because there's this uh, podcast that I just listened to about the A16Z and recent Horowitz. And one podcast that they covered there is talking about there's this guy that used to coach the best Silicon Valley founders, like you know Mark Zuckerberg and whatnot. And his name was Bill Campbell. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us now, uh, and he's passed away. But his learnings and how he trained startup founders stayed around. And it's in the book called Trillion Dollar Coach. Why Trillion Dollar Coach? Because the people that he's coached, especially in building culture and how to do management, are now worth <laughs> trillions of dollars. Now, if you read the book, you'll be getting a lot of really useful insights, especially in how to lead and how to do management. But there are several things here that might be useful in the line of what I said on the four non-negotiables. And this is very specific, and at least in my own rule, in I don't care how you do it, just get it done right. It's all about first picking the right team players. So when you hire, your top characteristics, according to Bill, should be to look for smarts and hearts. As a startup, you probably don't have the budget to hire top talent who are already made. So you have to build people from the ground up and base your decisions on characters. But you can't just, oh, you have good character. You have to make sure that they're ready and built for this type of game. And again, the type of people that are perfect for this are people who are smart. Of course, you have to have that intellectual capacity to process a fast-paced pivoting moment or a pivoting startup. And lastly, the hearts actually wither with you and weather the storm. And a lot of what your startup would actually go through hinges around the type of people you surround with. So another good example in my first startup, I was just so eager to fill up the seats and base my hiring decisions on people that I think I would get along with. But I did not take into consideration the characters that I put in. And a lot of what led to my startup's demise in the first one was that I didn't have the right people on the boat so, okay, now my third thing is that in a startup, especially if you're working remotely, I need to make sure that I can be in control as a founder by understanding what the problems are where, where the smokes are and where the fires are without having to ask verbally and use my mental capacity, which is very limited, to understand what the hell's going on. So the third rule that I always have is that if it's not documented, it does not exist. So one thing that's a non-negotiable that we make sure when we create a, a startup is that every single one, regardless if you're a co-founder all the way down to an intern, you should have the right skill. No meeting goes undocumented. And you know that goes into Slack. So if someone forgot to ask what happened, blah, 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 you don't need to report to them. You're giving them a heads up uh, through that. And then lastly, the most important one, and this is actually just came out in the our new one in Podcast Network Asia, again through experience, is that don't make the same mistake twice. You need to make sure that in your startup, failure is celebrated. Okay. But there's a thin line between that. Making the same failure <laughs> and you not learning from your lesson is not. Right? Because a failure, if that allows you to learn something, to pivot into something and not kill the whole team in the process, then you're really learning about the problem that you're trying to solve right? creating a better product, better service, wherever that might be. However, if your team is just so enamored with just making failures for the sake of and they're not making the same uh, adjustments necessary, then you got a problem. Right now, this is what was the hardest to do because, as Filipinos, as a first time startup founder, it's usually hard to tell people where they fucked up at. Right. But if it's something that was said from onboarding someone, whether it's a co founder and whatnot, then, you know, it's something that, you know, uh, people will have a safe space. It's like, oh shit, I can fuck up in this and I don't have to worry about being fired. That's a great culture to learn. And as long as, again, you come clean with this, the mistakes, you solve it, you document the, the, the learning, and that's it. Then the rest is gravy for us, right? Those are just the four rules. So it's very easy to understand those are my non-negotiables. And again, the rest is that you figure it out. The North Star is there. It's crystal clear. I hammer that down every single week. And I ask them, "What is there any obstacles uh, and whatnot? And if there's one thing also, one pro tip, it's not a non-negotiable, but whenever we do our town halls, which happens every week, and we also try to do this in our retro. So our retro is basically a recap, but this is done automatically in Slack through a bot that we call GeekBot. It's like doing a stand-up, but literally asking the same questions. I always make sure that we begin and end the week with gratitude. That's the best component of a team, because if people understand and are grateful for the work of their colleagues that impact their work, that's your best culture divider. So how do you make sure there's enough gratitude? And there is no shortage of credits that go among the team. So we always have these questions, you know what are the things that you want to celebrate, and who do you want to commend that week? It's a simple gesture, you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's it's not, but especially if it it came to a rough week and then people went through a shit load of things, the last thing you need just to validate sometimes that, you know, it's shared misery and shared triumph sometimes is knowing that your people or your colleagues appreciated what you do. And that alone builds great culture. And to the second part of what Justin asked, you know, is it something that developed over time and, you know, you get the people to deal with what's happening around them? Should the culture change as the startup grows and passes through various stages? And there's one specific interview that I did here on Hustle Share a couple of years ago. It's from the founders and the husband and wife tandem from Sprout Solutions, Patrick Gentry was the name. So just look it up. And one thing that I really learned from them is the rule of three and ten. So the rule of three and ten is that typically every time your startup grows by three and then by ten, things break apart. And I'm currently experiencing that now in Podcast Network Asia because when we started out, everything was so under control. and It's easy to manage a team that's you know five to ten people, but we're now over 30 plus and now we're, we also have Indonesia. And every single time we create a system, it breaks. But one thing that should remain the same is the culture. So those four things, every single one in the company that we have knows that by heart, right? Those are the non-negotiable. And the rest, you need to be flexible because as your team grows, there are going to be different requirements and different adjustments that you have to do over time to make that work. And at that time, when you start growing in the multiples of three and ten, by then, your objective is to not do it and not solve the problems alone, Your job as a founder and as a leader is to create more leaders. So you need to empower people, again, to be good managers and good leaders. And it's all about being a servant leader. You don't eat first. Leaders eat last. Okay, so you need to put your people first in order to make them do what they need to make sure that there's any obstacles. And as a founder, this is your forever job, right? The only difference is that the, the obstacle just become bigger. Your job as a founder is to make sure you define a North Star, like what I said earlier, remove any obstacles that might be blocking if the, your guys cannot figure it out or your leaders can't figure it out. And third, provide the necessary resources. You're trying to get to the star, right? You make sure that your people that you attracted that have the hearts and smarts to build it is empowered to build the best rocket ship that's going to take you there. Because if not, you're going to end up sputtering around the stratosphere and you're not going to make it. So if you want to find out about the rule of three and ten, I'm also going to put that in the show notes. And if you want to learn about how the the guys who have been there and done that, listen to the episode of Sprout Solutions with Patrick Gentry and his wife, Alex Gentry. All right. So again, I hope I was able to help you guys out. And again, thanks very much to all the three letter senders uh, the two Justins and the one non-Justin that sent over their questions so Justin one and Justin I think one is a fake Justin dude. maybe that's a Spanish of Justin but again thanks very much but before I let you go follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to and again we had a lot of jargon and don't worry it's gonna be in the show notes in hustleshare.com and if you want to be part of the community and suggest a guest also uh, in a normal format join us in the Hustleshare community on Facebook and lastly if you want to suggest a guest and you know just, just message us some random suggestions it's going to be the chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbot.ph and again thank you very much guys and I'll see you guys in the next episode peace Learn in flexible tenors with hashtag UNOBoost.